Turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 15. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15. I was a mechanic in the military, and one of the things that I learned when I was a mechanic is that you have to have certain tools for certain jobs. And sometimes there would be a special tool that you could only do one thing with this special tool. But I found that they always had the tools that I needed to complete the job. God has given us some spiritual tools to use so that we can live a life for his glory, so that we can live a life, the abundant life that Jesus Christ told us that he came to give, and so that we can live a life of victory and power over sin. Uh, Paul is writing this letter to Timothy, and he's dealing with some problems with some church doctrine. Uh, but in this chapter, he is talking about how pastors and deacons uh, should conduct themselves and what the qualifications for ministry are. Then he shifts gears, and uh, he's going to show that this applies to everybody. All of us are to live a godly life that glorifies God. And, uh, and we need to do that through the power of his Holy Spirit. The title of my message is Living for God's Glory, and we're going to start in 1 Timothy 3 and verse 14. I write these things to you, hoping to come to you soon. But if I should be delayed, I have written to you so that you will know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and foundation of the truth. And most certainly, the mystery of godliness is great. He was manifested in the flesh, vindicated by the Spirit, seen by angels, preached among the nations, believed on in the world, taken up in glory. Living for God's glory, how do we do that? Well, he's given us some tools. The first thing he's given us is his church. He's given us his church. You say, well, how is the church a tool to live a godly life? How is the church a tool to have victory? I'll show you. He says in verse 15a, he says, I, if I should be delayed, I've written to you so you'll know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household, which is the church of the living God. The church of the living God. God. What is a church? A church is an assembly of people, an assembly of believers. But it's not just an assembly of believers. It's an assembly where God, the living God, comes to meet with us here in this place when we come together. And as the living God comes to meet with us, he empowers us to edify and strengthen each other. We do that in several ways. One way is through speaking gifts. The Bible talks about gifts of sharing, gifts of speaking. Uh, and so as we share, as God leads us to share, we build up the body of Christ. Now, great places for this to happen are Sunday school, discipleship training, which we don't have anything going on for discipleship training right now, but that should be in a couple of weeks. Um, Wednesday night Prayer meeting is a great place for that to take place, where you interact. Uh, Sunday school is probably my favorite place because you have different groups 
uh, all over the church that meet together to discuss God's word, to discuss what God has been doing in our lives, to share as God leads us to share as we discuss his word, and God uses that to build up the body of Christ. But guess what? That happens before and after the service as well. It happens in the service as I preach the word of God to you. It happens in the service as we sing songs of worship or as people minister in different ways. And so all of this God uses to strengthen us in the walk of faith so that we can live a life that glorifies God. It's a tool. The church is a tool uh, to help you live a godly life. It's also a tool to help you help others live a godly life. A lot of times people think, well, yes, I want to use a tool to help me live a godly life. And people think, okay, help me. But they don't think, how can I help others? Let me tell you something that, that will help you be effective in helping others as you come to this body of believers. Um, ask God to use you to edify somebody when you come to church. And look for an opportunity to share a word of encouragement. Uh, to listen to somebody who's struggling, or maybe to offer a prayer for somebody who's hurting, or maybe to give a gift to encourage, whatever it might be. But ask God, Lord, would you help me edify somebody when I come to church today and have that heart of edification? As we do that, I believe God will greatly help us and strengthen us. And so uh, his church is that first tool that he gives us. Take advantage of that. Take advantage of meeting with other people. By the way, did you know that, yes, we meet together here, and this is God's primary way uh, to edify us and strengthen us with this tool called the church, but even as you meet during the week with a couple of other Christians, you can have this kind of fellowship, this kind of edification as you discuss the things of God or you talk about what God's doing or you pray together. We've got some groups that pray together in our church. What a great way to edify each other. We had a group of pastors that used to pray together down in uh, Texas. And a uh, great time of edification. And, and I pray with Brother Tom Birds over here every Tuesday morning. And, and he and I uh, edify each other through that time. What a great way to edify each other through that time of prayer led by the Holy Spirit. So let the Holy Spirit lead you to edify others and come to the place of worship so that this tool can be used in your life to help you be what God wants you to be. Living for God's glory, how do we do it? First of all, he's given us the tool called his church. Secondly, his truth. His truth. The second tool is his truth. Verse 15, it says he, it's the church of the living God, but it's also the pillar and foundation of the truth. What does he mean there? Well, Timothy's been dealing with some problems of false teaching. And he's telling Timothy, preach the word. And if you look in First and Second Timothy and you look at Titus, there's a theme that goes through these pastoral letters. Paul says, preach the word, preach the word, preach the word. Why? Because as the word is preached, as the word is taught in God's church, it sustains God's people. The pillar and foundation of the truth. Well, you say, well, can't I read the Bible outside of church? Absolutely. 
Can't I have discussions about God's truth outside the church? Absolutely. But God has set aside the church as the place where God's truth is to be preserved and taught. It is the primary place for God's truth. That is, God corrects our wrong thinking sometimes through his truth in the church. God helps us grow in our understanding. God uses the gifts of others as they teach or preach or share the truth in the church as a way of edifying us in specific ways. The Bible says that we all have different gifts and that as as we share those gifts with the body, we're built up. But guess what? You need the gifts of other people and they need your gifts. And as we meet together, guess what? There's somebody who can say something just the right way where God ministers to your heart. Um, it's amazing to me how many times this has happened in my own life. Maybe I'm listening to a message on the radio, or, or maybe I am talking with a Christian friend, and they begin to talk about something, and they say something in just the right way, and God uses it to minister to my heart. God's truth has a power. This word, this scripture that God has given us has a living character to it. That is, when I read this book, God speaks to me through his spirit. God takes the words that are written here and he applies them to my life. And there is a sense in which he touches me and says, this is for you, Roger. This is to encourage and to comfort you. But he does that as we assemble together in his church as well. And sometimes God will do things in his church that he won't do anywhere else. Why? Because God has chosen his church. He's chosen his church to be the pillar and the foundation of the truth. You say, well, I've been in some churches that don't speak the truth of God's word. Well, that may be so, but that's not the way God intended the church to be. The church is to be the pillar and foundation of the truth. So God's truth is one of those tools he's given us to help us live for God's glory. How does that happen? Well, he, re- he renews our minds through his truth. We were talking in Sunday school this morning. We're Romans 12. Uh, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So God changes our thinking through his truth. And as we're in God's truth, and he changes us through his truth, and we're renewed in our minds, then we're enabled to speak the right things and do the right things. Jesus said, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Jesus said, what are the behaviors of life? Where where do all these things come from? Murders, adulteries, and so forth. They come from the heart. And just as those negative things come from the heart, so also the positive things of godliness come from the heart. And God prepares our hearts to do the work of God through his truth. It is a tool of God that he has given to us as his church that is so, so important. And it will minister to you in some ways that nothing else will. Living for God's glory, how do we do it? He's given us the tool of his church. He's given us the tool of his truth. Before I get on by the, the, the tool of his truth, let me just say this. Be in God's word. Be in God's word in your personal quiet time. Be in God's word regularly in his church because it is your life. Moses told the Israelites, these are not idle words for you. Some people think, well, church, it's, you know, I can do without it. It's not that important. 
these are not idle words for you. They are your life. They are your life. Jesus said, I've come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. How do you find that life? Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. So, so important. Be in God's word. Living for God's glory, how do you do it? He's given us the tool of his church, his truth, and thirdly, his godliness. His godliness. Look at verse 16. And most certainly, the mystery of godliness is great. He's given us his godliness. Well, you say, well, how could he give you godliness? I'm glad you asked that. 2,000 years ago, there was a man who lived a perfect life named Jesus Christ. He died on a cross in your place and in my place for our sin. And he rose again. And the Bible says because he's done that, that if you and I will choose to turn from our sin in our own way to follow Christ and receive the gift of eternal life that he has purchased for us by dying for us, that we'll receive that eternal life and that God will change us on the inside. He'll make us a new creation. And the Holy Spirit of God will come to live within us so that we can live a godly life. It is a gift. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And can I tell you something? The blood of Jesus Christ has great power. It has power to change a human heart and to save a human soul. But it also has power to help us overcome those old ways of living and to begin to live for Christ. The Bible says that if we walk in the Spirit, we will not fulfill the desires of that old nature. That God will inspire. Uh, infuse us with his power, strengthen us with his hand, and enable us to walk in victory. What is the mystery of godliness? Elsewhere in Ephesians, Paul talks about this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Jesus Christ in us is what enables us to live a godly life. God has given us a person. You say, well, I thought Jesus was at the right hand of the throne of God. Yes, he is. But he is also, as God, he is also omnipresent. And he is also, in a special way, living within you and within me. You say, well, how is that so? Well, Jesus said, I'm going away from you, but I'm going away from you. I'm going to come to you. Uh, And he talks about sending his Holy Spirit who comes to live within us. And so that Jesus, though he is at the right hand of God in his glory and in his power, he also lives within us. And he empowers us to live the godly life. So that gift of godliness is a person. And uh, it is also his work at the cross, which enables us to have a relationship with him. So if you don't know Jesus Christ, you need to begin by beginning a relationship with him. Uh, Make your choice to turn from sin in your own way to follow Christ and receive that gift in simple trust. The Bible says we're saved by faith. Trust in Christ to save your soul. I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that here in just a moment. Uh, We're going to give you an opportunity to come here to the front and uh, pray a prayer of commitment with me. Um, 
and you can begin that life with Christ. Godliness, true godliness, is not just an outward something that you do. It's a change of the heart that results in a changed life. So, uh, this godliness is a tool to help us live for God's glory. As we have Christ within us, as we have this new nature within us, as we have the Holy Spirit within us, this is God's gift to help us live a godly life that brings glory to God so that people see Jesus in us. Paul said it this way elsewhere. He said that we have this treasure in earthen vessels, in clay jars, that the power is of God and not of us. And we're being changed from glory unto glory as we are communed with him. I want you to know something. There is power in Christ being in you. And he can help you live that life of godliness that will bring glory to God. So if you don't know him, you need to get to know him. If you know him, you need to walk in him. This is a choice that we make. You say, well, how do I do that? I'm glad you asked. You, you choose to surrender every day and to trust in Jesus and to follow him. And as you do that, you ask God to fill you with his spirit and to live his life through you. And uh, then you choose to walk in obedience. And as you do that, the Bible calls that abiding in Christ. You're abiding in the Holy Spirit. You're also abiding in Christ. And you're choosing to walk in his energy rather than your own. And you'll find a new strength and power for living. Living for God's glory, how do we do it? He's given us the tool of his church, his truth, his godliness, and finally, the most important, his son. I've mentioned this a little bit already, but look at, look at uh, verse 16. Most certainly the mystery of godliness is great. He was manifest in the flesh. This mystery of godliness is a person. It's Jesus Christ. But he's describing him. He says he was manifested in the flesh. In other words, he became a human being. He was eternal God, the Son. But he, when Mary conceived miraculously through the touch of the Holy Spirit, he was ultimately born, manifested in the flesh. He was vindicated by the Spirit. I believe that's talking about his resurrection. Jesus went to the cross, he died, he rose in power. And those who had cursed his name, those who had mocked his name, uh, were put to silence because he was vindicated, resurrected in power at the, at the tomb. That vindication continued. He was seen by the angels. There were angels present at his resurrection. Of course, now the angels in glory see him. And worship him. He was preached among the nations and believed on in the world. Wherever the gospel is preached, God vindicates his son when somebody repents of their sin and puts their trust in him. And he comes to live within their hearts and he changes who they are. And he gives testimony after testimony after testimony of the fact that his son is not some dead, dusty person of history. But he is a living savior who changes lives. He vindicates him. And then he says he's taken up in glory. I believe he's talking here about the ascension, but the Bible also talks about a time where Jesus will have all of the earth handed over to him and he will rule and reign on this earth. And ultimately, the new heaven, the new earth, and the new Jerusalem, Jesus 
will reign over that. So he'll be exalted in that way as well. All this is describing his son. Why this description of his son? Because sometimes we forget when we're trying to live out for God's glory who we have with us. We have the Lord of creation walking with us, Jesus Christ. The one who has overcome death. The one who spoke to the oceans and said, peace be still. And the sea ultimately became a calm immediately. The disciples shook their heads and said, what manner of man is with us who speaks to the winds and the waves and they become calm? This is the one who is with us. God has given us his son. Can I tell you something? There's nothing that Jesus can't do. They were saying one day, how will he heal this man? This man was born blind. Jesus healed him. Blindness couldn't stand before. Well, how? Mary and Martha said, Lord, if you'd have been here, our brother wouldn't have died. Oh, that you had come when we had called for you, Lord. If you had been here, he wouldn't have died. And he tells Martha, Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And he spoke to Lazarus. Somebody once said if he hadn't said Lazarus, all the tombs would have had bodies come forth. He said Lazarus come forth and Lazarus got up and his grave bound in his grave clothes trying to move around. He couldn't move around because he's so tied up in his grave clothes. And Jesus said loose him and let him go. This is the Savior that we serve. He has all power. He tells us of the future before it comes. He is the Lord of history. This is who God has given us to help us in life, to live a life that glorifies God. You say, I'm at the end of my strength. I can't go on living for God. You say, I'm at the end of my emotional Uh, capacity to follow Christ I'm at the end of my wisdom I'm at the end of everything how can I go on I'll tell you how you can go on God has given you a person to live with you and to be a partner with you in the Christian life and his name is Jesus Christ and he'll lift you up when you're broken take your brokenness to Jesus take your weariness to Jesus take your weakness to Jesus take your frustration to Jesus and say Lord here I am lift me up And revitalize my soul. And he'll do it. He delights to answer his children. Isn't it interesting? You look in the the gospels. And you see people time and time again coming to Jesus. And saying, Lord, heal me. I don't think there was one time Jesus turned them away. Every time Jesus answered. Now, it's not God's will always to, to heal our sickness. But Jesus is willing. Take your brokenness to him. Take your heartache to him. Say, Lord, refresh me, revitalize me, restore me so that I can live for you. And he'll do it. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Lord, we need to live for for your glory, but you said apart from me you can do nothing. We acknowledge that, Lord, but we look to you because we know that you're our hope.